genre. Welcome back to Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze and celebrate Spider-Man 3, one movie trailer moment minute at a time. I'm Zach Luna. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Father David Mowry, chaplain to the Movies by Minutes community. <laughs> Welcome back, Father David. <laughs> Great to be back. Why, why are you guys laughing? I, I have business cards and everything. It's very official. I love it. I yeah, know, it's uh, great. Thanks. <laughs> I'm thanks glad for that you're here for, for <laughs> yeah. moments like today. Right. <laughs> oh, I have so much to say. And oh, especially boy. tomorrow. Especially oh, yes. tomorrow. <laughs> today, yeah. Today we just get a little, little foretaste, but tomorrow, yeah. But let's let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yes. Okay, okay, our vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> today, our vegetables are minute one hundred and two of Spider-Man three, which begins with um, the the camera revealing a, a church's spire in the rainstorm, mm-hmm. and ends with Eddie Brock entering the church and staring up at a large crucifix. So. Uh, we're we're in it now. Mm-hmm. Hey, here we go. Uh, um, so so first off, I need to mention the fact that one, I love this stupid transition of, <laughs> of from the rainy the raining on the steeple, like this raining gothic thing, to just like just like a general like cloudy brood, you know, like it just this, yeah. this just this transition. I don't I, this weather transition is such a weird choice, but okay, I guess sure if that's what you want. It's- God, it looks so much goofier, like in a separate minute, like today's, because we don't have the the beginning of the shot, which was like Peter on the ground, right? Yeah. Like I can almost imagine the the thought process behind this was, okay, we have to transition between the two shots. We have to have a transition here so that Peter has time to, to show a passage of time, right? Right. To go from him being on the ground to being on the spire in the black suit, of course. But they didn't decide to change like the atmosphere much at all so it kind of just looks like fading from one shot to basically the same shot right. <laughs> again yeah so well, the clouds are starting to break up a little bit so obviously the the bulk of the storm has passed by because i oh. guess peter forgot his mask at home and so he yeah. had to run back to the apartment and grab it before he could go up to the spire to brood that sounds like uh, it yeah yeah so that's 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 my next question <laughs> What is he doing? Like, what? Because here, because okay, all right. So, like this, this is um, going to, to start sort of like a little bit of a of a of a long uh, diatribe on on the way that this story was told in the comics. Um, oh boy! And, all right, yeah. let me get my popcorn. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all so, right, I'm ready. So, so okay. So, all right. In the in the in the comics, right? We he finds out that he's wearing a black alien symbiote, and that it's trying to bond with him, and he's disgusted by this and is Ew, gross alien he, cooties yeah, yeah yeah basically yeah he's just like he's really like thrown by it and it was it was basically taking him out at night and like doing stuff as like spider-man with like him asleep inside of it um and right. uh, oh, that it, explains like the initial reveal of the black suit where he like oh where am i and he's already yes. hanging upside down outside it was the like building. several instances of that right yeah, yeah. 
Um, so uh, to the point where there's actually a miniseries going on right now called Black Suit Symbiote, which is just about the symbiote like carrying sleeping Peter Parker around at night and what it was doing. Um, it's a it's a weird miniseries, uh, but uh, anyway. <laughs> okay. uh, so so th- this was you know eighty four eighty three something like that when um, sure. he first realizes that it's an alien symbiote and like immediately he's like okay we need to get this thing off of me he goes to Reed Richards with the Fantastic Four and they figure out how to get it off of him with a sonic blast from a sonic gun they get it off of him they keep it he goes home. Uh, and uh, starts uh, being Spider-Man again. And then the thing breaks out and goes back to his uh, his apartment. And then in Web of Spider-Man number one, um, in a story called Death Do Us Part, uh, this is, uh, let's see, written by uh, Louise Simonson and, and drawn by Greg LaRocca, um, just to, you know, mm. uh, give some credit where credit's due. So um, he uh, goes, he basically goes into, he's just broken up with Black Cat um, and he goes into his uh, cost, his closet to grab his costume and the black suit imitates his red and blue suit. So it tricks him into putting it on and wow. then it turns back into the black suit and the issue is him just and nasty fighting Kutcher jumps out oh you go punk oh. yeah 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 a little bit i mean it's a little bit like that uh because he he is just r- basically trying to get back to the fantastic four get to the baxter building to help get help taking getting it taken off again but the black suit knows what it's trying what he's trying to do and is like trying to stop him and so he's like he can't control himself. He can't web swing because the webbing was made by the symbiote and he can't really control. He can't like walk right and he can't jump right because it's kind of controlling. It's like using him like a puppet that is like trying to fight back. Right. And so it's this whole issue of him trying to get across town. And while this is happening, there's like this group of villains called the Vulturians, this is their first mm. appearance. I was like, who are these guys? They're really acting like I should know who they are. And apparently no one should have known who they were because this was their first <laughs> appearance. But they're a group of people who have stolen vulture technology and have made like a gang of vulture guys. Um, and their names are Honcho, Gripes, Pigeon, and Sugarface. Okay, and they're the Vulturians. (laughs) Sugar face, sugar face, and they're 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 flying around town, and eventually, Peter stumbles into them, and then uses them to swing him. He accidentally takes them out while fighting the symbiote, and then gets one of them to swing (laughs) him to like fly him over to. Uh, a church steeple because he realizes that he doesn't need sonic waves. He needs any kind of loud sound to get the the symbiote off of him. So then he goes to the church steeple and then uses the bell to get the symbiote off of him. Um, But then like, for some reason it presents it as if he's the, 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 the bell tolling is like really hurting Peter. Like it could kill him because 
Huh. It's not just almost killing him. It's also killing one of the Vulturians who landed there with him, and then they fly off because they can't take it anymore. Um, oh, it turns then, out the bell was made out of vibranium. Yeah, so it was. Yeah, for some reason. I don't know what that was about. So then he... <laughs> He passes out after the symbiote detaches itself, and then it starts to crawl away, and then it comes back and pulls him away from the bell to save him, and then disappears. And you don't know where it goes. Like, this is not where it doesn't drip onto Eddie yet. Um, okay. That, like, that so the symbiote of. does not reattach itself to Peter. No, not at all. It huh. just, just saves, saves him. him. And then runs away. Right, and then runs away. Yeah. And that's how the issue ends. And that's the last that we see of the symbiote until Venom shows up uh, in Amazing Spider-Man 300, which is like three years later um, in Is that the one with the where the cover is like literally the red suit and the black suit like pulling on Peter, like Uh, fighting? Issue 300 or... Yeah. Uh, oh, never mind. No. Issue 300 is is like the the black suit Spider-Man like kind of in like the i don't know it's like a it's, it's like a circle and then it says like 300 mm, yeah. all around it um yeah yeah anyway uh but Never yeah mind. that's that's the, what i think is interesting here is like so in the issue web of spider-man where he gets rid of the symbiote suit once and for all he does it because he's already figured out the sound thing from visiting the fantastic four and reed richards and mm-hmm. so he goes to the church on purpose because there's a big old bell that he can use as a tool to get rid of it. And the similar thing happens in the animated series, right? He, he goes to uh, a rocket, I think. Um, he goes to the mm-hmm. bell, too, but then, like, to, to end Venom at the end of the arc in the, in the animated series, he goes to, like, a rocket. And it's, like, the loud noise of the rocket is what ends Venom. So it's, yeah, it's constantly... Do it. Yeah, so it's constantly him trying to, like, he figures out what he needs to do, and then he goes to the church. So I don't know what he's doing here, because it seems like he's very specifically, one, he's brooding on the outside of the of the, of the the spear, which is spire, which is fine, whatever. I guess he just wants to do some brooding, and, and you know, he's in goth mode anyway, so why not do it on a... <laughs> <laughs> on the top of a very gothic-looking church. Yeah, um, if you listen yeah. very carefully, you can hear him just muttering under his breath, I'm Batman. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Batman. Yeah, it seems that way. Um, but then he I very... Think he's singing Evanescence. <laughs> right. But then he very <laughs> deliberately leaps down into the bell tower. And I don't know what his plan is here. Like, what is his, what is his goal here? Because he doesn't know that sound affects the symbiote yet. Does he? Yeah. No. 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 Yeah. He doesn't know anything. Right. He doesn't know anything. He's he. he knows, you know nothing, Peter Parker. Yeah. He he knows <laughs> vaguely that it 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 brings out you know bad emotions, right? Because of Kurt Connor saying it in him, sort of like listening, I guess, while eating cookies. Um, but <laughs> he doesn't know that sound affects the symbiote in any way whatsoever. So, what is he doing? Like, why is he here? I. Yeah, it's it's uh, empty iconography. Right, and right. I think mm. one of the first instances I remember of it, where I was like, this is a thing you lifted from the comics, but without any of the meaning, so it's just happening. Right, it's so just that, happening it because it happen. has to, yeah. It has to happen in a, in a bell tower, so that's what's happening. And if, you're, and if you're beginning to wonder if the thing that you're wearing is affecting your personality, why in the world would you put more of it on? That's what I don't understand. It, it's just mind-boggling to me that we leave 
Peter on the ground just wearing, you know, the the shirt and pants of the suit. And he's gone to the effort of putting the gloves and the mask on. Yeah. And the shoes, too. Yeah, right? the Because they're... We saw the boots being like separate pieces in the trunk earlier. Right, right. Mm, that's true. So, I always so imagine them as being like like footies at the end of footie pajamas. <laughs> sure. You can just slip his shoes on over them. <laughs> right. So in in their version of, of how the suit works, he has put on five additional pieces <laughs> yeah. in order to go do this. There's it's, just uh, it's and a has, lot? And hasn't gone and don't hasn't gone to the one other person that he's talked to about the symbiote. Right. Right. Which you know, seems to, like a no-brainer. Like, uh, doctor, mm-hmm. uh, so you know when I said that I didn't keep any more of it? Yeah, so I kind of lied. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, I'm Spider-Man, by also, the way. Also, I'm Spider-Man. I hope that's not going to be a problem between us in the future. <laughs> right. Um, I, I think that uh, the other part of this that I find I, I find befuddling is, uh, you know, I understand that the, that the church – clock tower or clock tower bell tower is wrong, <laughs> wrong franchise movie. um <laughs> yeah. is uh is is because of uh the the use of it in in basically every other um black symbiote story up to this point that's ever been in comics or adapted or what have you um it, i i understand that that's the reason why they're using it however i feel like they really missed the boat on using a sort of um Metaphor isn't the right word, but sort of using uh, demonic possession iconography here um, mm-hmm. with with the uh, with the symbiote, like you know, treating the symbiote like like a demonic possession. I, and I feel like of yeah, all it's people, never, it's never been treated as if Peter is not in control, right? It's never been treated as if you know, Peter is you know not himself in a possessed kind of way, right? He's just yeah. been a massive jerk right uh, <laughs> right and if any director would get uh, a thrill oh out, of, out of out of demonic possession iconography you'd think it'd be sam raimi and it just oh, feels man. like this giant missed opportunity of of totally. some really fun stuff because like if he had gone if we had just had just a 10 minute sequence here where he goes back to kurt connor's and it's like kurt connor's is like a science exorcist, you know, <laughs> and, and and you use that 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 iconography, and like maybe he even fails, but it's like I can't get it loud enough, and then he goes and he searches for something louder than the thing they tried to use. Oh um, yeah, like mm-hmm. the windows open in the lab, and they hear the bell tolling from the tower, right. and Connor says it yes. just might work. Right, right, exactly. Like I f- I feel like that would be so much better because it would just be well set up, and I know that Raimi would execute it uh, really really well and mm-hmm. it's just uh it's it's a bummer because now we just get this which is fine but we don't understand why he's here or what he's doing other than yeah. the people who know because they've seen this story adapted before we don't even get like a scene of him like uh, leaving the jazz club going in an alley and immediately trying to take the suit off and more of it glomming on to him and right. like and he, he encounters some sort of like Oh, loud, that would he be knocks good. something over that makes a loud crash, and it it reacts weird, and then oh, he yeah. decides he has to go. Totally, to some like we don't even have that. It's just he leaves the jazz club and then goes to a church. Right. Uh, 
<sighs> or like, or, no, or I, he... I don't have any problem with that sequence of events precisely. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I kind, I kind of like that general movement in a person's <laughs> life, but I think in Peter's case, yeah, I agree, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, like, yeah. or just like, even just when he hears the bell, if he gets, if he like got like a little like weird feeling. You know, yeah. like he hears it and he's like, uh, but then like that doesn't really make any sense unless he's close to it because he was just in a jazz club and it seems like there'd be plenty of things in there making noise that the symbiote wouldn't like. Not the least of all his piano playing. Am I right? Yeah. Uh, true. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> hey. um, yeah. Or, or have a scene earlier that involves this particular church. Like, yeah. I don't. I don't even know what it would be, but like some some sort of scene setting up that he's aware of this environment, and wow, boy, those bells are loud. I don't know something. <laughs> like he swings, um, he swings by the the steeple, and and the suit freaks out. Like, oh, that's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah or even even non suit specific. Just that there is some relationship Peter has with this space that later, when like the worst thing happens to him, that uh, like when he's so guilty about the behavior he's had in this black suit that this feels like an appropriate place he would he would go to um mm-hmm. not i mean it, it could be maybe we've yeah. just like missed every other instance it just has never been shown that he's like a really pious you know devoted guy that goes to church every sunday or something but and this is his local church maybe but mm-hmm. i haven't or if i don't have any attachment kind of establishing to this shot that like uncle ben's grave is in the graveyard next oh, to the church sure. mm-hmm Oh, oh yeah, he's just going there to like try to get advice from him, you know? That would be uh-huh. good. Yeah. There's so many Anything. ways that they could have played this <laughs> that it makes more sense than him just going there for goth reasons. Dear Sony, <laughs> we have some suggestions to improve Spider-Man 3. We know it's a little late, but we really think you ought to think about these. Yeah. It's, it's 2019. Time for time for the director's cut of Spider-Man 3 to <laughs> Uh, just get everybody together for some reshoots. Uh, <laughs> sure, it's fine. Well, we I have, have, I have some technology ab- now, so you know. <laughs> yeah, I have some notes about the church itself. Okay, oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, so, so this is Trinity Church, which is uh, in Manhattan. It's actually on Wall Street. Uh, oh. It's one of the oldest church. Well, one of the oldest parishes, I should say, in uh, the city of New York. The first. Well, the parish itself was uh, given its charter by the King of England back in Whoa. 1697. Wow. And wow. there have been, you know, innumerable churches. Because, you know, the thing about churches that were built back in the 1700s, is that they tend to have fires. You know, you build a wooden and stone structure and you put a bunch of candles inside. Eventually, you're just, you're going to have a fire. So there have been okay. many, many churches built over it. You know, this recent one it has, you know, been around for at least 100 and maybe 150 years um, and it's a it's an Episcopal church. It's a very active parish. Uh, it's very famous for sheltering people fleeing from the destruction of the Twin Towers uh, on September Whoa. 11th. Uh, also was uh, located very close to the Occupy Wall Street uh, uh, camp. And so mm-hmm. there's been a lot of history that's happened in and around this church in New York. Mm-hmm. Um since the we see the bell tower here, I was just curious what the the bell tower of Trinity Church looks like. They have twenty three bells in their bell Oof. tower, uh, so mm. I don't know where the other twenty two are hiding uh, in this particular <laughs> shot. Uh, the largest bell they have, the one that you know, if I were a superhero looking to get rid of a, a sonic sensitive symbiote, uh, the largest bell they have weighs two thousand and seven hundred pounds. Whoa. Wow. 
basement is wow. absolutely massive. So that would generate some powerful sonic waves. Mm-hmm. For yeah. sure. That that would definitely do the trick uh, if you could get it going anyway. Uh. <laughs> you would need some, some Spider-Man strength to get that thing swinging on your own. Yeah, <laughs> right. definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so in, uh, in the comics, this church is, uh, very famously the, um, uh, Our Lady of Saints church, uh, which is a mm. fictional church, uh, mm. in the Marvel universe. I think it's used, it's used here and it's used a lot, I think in the Daredevil comics. Um, and it's a, ah. it's a church on yeah. the lower East side of the Marvel universe of New York city. Um, but uh, sort of like a Empire State University type thing, right, where right. we probably need to use a place like this a lot, but we don't want to make weird associations with an actual. Right. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. But uh, yeah. Uh, so okay. So then he he leaps down and goes into uh, the bell tower um, for reasons. And does he need that web line? kind of safety line as he comes down he's spider-man you know can't he just <laughs> drop and be okay well i don't he's think he look cool he didn't drop he didn't drop directly down right he had to kind of like swing around to a window so i think that's what he's doing i think mm, okay i'll allow it yeah <laughs> i think that's what he's doing um uh, also it's a cool shot at least also, yeah. it appears that nobody's swinging this bell because the rope is all up here with the bell oh yeah, yeah. look at that whoops <laughs> all wound yeah, up up here uh so we're gonna have know. to get on the vicar's case he's not doing his job of proper bell pull maintenance <laughs> yeah apparently not it was just ringing earlier who was ringing that bell earlier that's a good question <laughs> why Crossing did they motos, if they again <laughs> he finished ringing the bell and then like climbed all the stairs all the way up to hide the rope so no one else could ring it or something yeah i don't know i don't know the logistics are weird um, um, it seems like everybody did church research today, so I would I would feel remiss if I didn't add in my bit of church research, which oh, is excellent. the interiors here. Oh yeah. So, so it's the exteriors are based on Trinity Church. In the comics, it's what was it? Our Lady of Our 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 Our, um, Our Lady of Saints. Our Lady of Saints. Yes. And in quote unquote real life, because they couldn't shoot interiors uh, on location in Trinity Church, this is the Saint Brendan Catholic Church. In Van Nuys, Los Angeles, uh, which is not exactly close to uh, Sony Studios, but a lot closer than New York City. So this is one that like huh. Scott and I could go visit if we wanted to. So it's like three jur- churches coming together to create one Voltron church that exists in Spider Man. Voltron <laughs> church. <laughs> uh, it's much smaller, yeah. Which I guess makes sense when you see the interior of it at the end of this. Um, I don't know if you could. It it doesn't seem like it takes up a whole city block, basically, which I believe the the real Trinity Church takes up like a whole city block. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, and then uh, and then we have Eddie here coming in here and uh, dipping his fingers in some holy water. Um, before oh, I'm, so, <laughs> I'm so proud of of whoever Eddie's religious ed catechist was on Wednesday nights that he has still remembers <laughs> how to cross himself correctly. Oh, he does it right? Oh, he good. does. It's forehead, stomach, left shoulder, right shoulder. Yes, Eddie, good job. You get left a Jesus right. Loves You sticker because you <laughs> know how to sign the cross correctly. Very nice. Is it always done with the right hand? or Yeah, always done with the right hand, uh, which uh, drives my left-handed sister crazy. 
But uh, <laughs> you know, the, I always tell her this: we have sacrifices to make for the love of God, because um, of course you know, that that comes from you know the old association of uh, the left hand with evil, because you know left in uh, Romance oh. languages is sinistra, the sinister right. hand, and so you use the right hand, the dexter hand, in order to bless yourself. Mm. Ah, okay. interesting. Okay, it's a cool looking shot too because we see him reflected in the water. That right is before. a humongous holy water font. My goodness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially for a church that isn't really that big um, on the inside, anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. They really, it's the well, opposite they, of a TARDIS. Yeah. <laughs> smaller, smaller on the inside. On the inside. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, oh, it's good to have, you know, holy water font. You know, the, the, the reason for that in Catholic practice is to serve as a reminder of, you know, the essentials of the faith. You know, the holy water mm. calls to mind baptism, the, the first sacrament that any Christian receives that initiates mm. you into life in Christ, symbolizing going down into the waters of death with Christ and rising to new life. And then making, Mm -hmm. tracing the cross over yourself calls to mind the the central act of God's salvation and the crucifixion of Jesus, you know, the great gift of self that God makes to save sinful humanity from itself. And it's Mm -hmm. also made in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, the mystery of the Trinity, that God reveals himself as a unity of three persons. And, Mm. you know, like I said, I'm really proud of Eddie. He, He know, you know, given... You know his state of mind and his his general uh, anxiety level that he's going through right now. He still has enough uh, religious formation that he's holding on to that he does this correctly. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, in the comics, Eddie does say that he's Catholic. So, um, oh that's, hey, that's what he was doing here. He was actually uh, in the comics when he happened to be here uh, when the uh, symbiote showed up for him. Um, he mm. was actually coming. To, he had been going to church, church after church, uh, basically trying to find a reason not to kill himself. Um, oh my wow. god! Because yeah. that's like you know, because he's like, I'm Catholic. That's the ultimate sin. That's why I was at the church. Was basically like asking God, like for a reason to not do it. Uh, mm. And uh, and then and then he gets the symbiote. Um, so and this was like long after the symbiote had left Peter. Like it wasn't the same day. He said that before, uh, yeah, right? so so it's a, it was actually retcon to not be the same day. Um, in okay. in the so mm-hmm. okay so in the in the original in the original <laughs> oh, now you've uh, done it in the original <laughs> issue three hundred um, when he is talking about this happening, it he makes it he presents it as if it's the same day, which is which in itself is a retcon because the the uh, web of spider-man number one uh seemed to suggest that the symbiote was defeated like it was like it saved with its last bit of strength it like saved peter and then did died like disintegrated mm. essentially but then what this uh supposes is that in fact it just leaked through the floor and then went and found eddie who was who happened to be like downstairs in the church um uh trying to find a reason not to kill himself um uh, because in the comics, of course, Eddie didn't just lose his job. He also lost his wife uh, and uh, and a few other things. Because when he got fired for uh, doing what he did, like fabricating a story at the Daily Bugle, uh, his wife left him out of shame. And uh, Oh, oh. Yeah. I thought you meant she died. No, 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 no. She left him out of shame um, because he was an embarrassment. Uh, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, so he just, he really had nothing um, at this point. Uh, not, he did not just lose a non-girlfriend 
um, and uh, and and uh, and a job that he had just gotten. Um, that's not <laughs> <laughs> that's not where he was at. Um, so Boy, when you put it that way, you make it sound like he's overreacting or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, so when this happened in 300, that was the suggestion, was that he just happened to be in the church below. Um, later, that was retconned in a series called, uh, <laughs> called Deadpool Back in Black, um, in which uh, the symbiote, after bailing on, on, uh, on Peter, so he, he drags Peter away, and then he sl- the symbiote slinks away. And the reason that he pulled Peter away was because while he, it was giving Peter like rage feels, uh, uh, Peter was I- in turn giving the symbiote like his personality. And so the symbiote was like becoming kinder. And so mm. it had very mixed feelings about Peter at this point. And then, oh. when, and then he finds De- uh, Deadpool and bonds with Deadpool and then has shenanigans with Deadpool. <laughs> and in over the course of this little mini series uh, called Deadpool Back in Black, uh, it actually takes all of its like nice feelings for, for uh, Spider-Man and for Peter and just gives them to Deadpool. And so that when the symbiote is like, Hey, we should go kill Spider-Man. Deadpool's like, uh, that's not cool. Spider-Man's my friend. You know what? I don't think we should hang out anymore. And so then the symbiote like leaves and goes back to the church. And then that's when it bonds with Venom, which therein explaining the, uh, the, the the discontinuity of the fact that like he seems to be like still have fond feelings for Peter when he drags him away from being killed, but then hates Peter so much when he's with Venom, uh, went with with Eddie. So like they were trying to, it was like a little mini series trying to explain like why that change happened, um, which was kind of like boy howdy didn't need yeah. to be explained, but you know it's it's a Deadpool <laughs> mini series, so it is what it is. Um, anyway, that's, that's, that's what happened there. So thank you, Scott. Yeah. I did yeah. a lot of research on, on this whole process of, of going from the black symbiote on Peter to, to Eddie. Um, and, uh, I, I feel was, like I need a flow chart for yeah, where comics, the symbiote and, ahoy, and all these ahoy. actors in this <laughs> yeah. drama are at all times. Yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, so anyway, but, uh, we, we, we cut out the middleman here, uh, is, mm-hmm. is the, suggestion i guess um oh gosh do you think deadpool will show up in uh, in a venom sequel if they make one oh man that'd be oh man that'd be complicated i think but uh it could be fun that would be i'd be okay with that <laughs> yeah. of all of the characters that that could cross over into a venom movie i mean that's probably like the best case <laughs> especially with like tom hardy's take on venom yes uh, it's in a wacky enough place already. I don't think. I, I think you might get along well with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah. Um, so that's that's all I've got. Uh, you guys have anything else for this minute? Um, no, I was just excited about locating the real church in Van Nuys. Yeah. So that was my main contribution today, and I'm proud of it. It's a good one. Thank uh, you. I just have my uh, Christ in the Cape section. Yes. Christ in the Cape, bring it on. Uh, yeah, so so yesterday we talked about theological anthropology, kind of that vision of, of human nature viewed through the lens of, of Spider-Man. So today I want to talk about Christology, that is an understanding of Christ. And again, looking at how does uh, the Spider-Man mythos treat a savior figure? 
So mm. Spider-Man, um, like all superheroes, is a savior figure. He saves people. That's what he does. Um, mm. But he himself is you know, a typical Marvel hero in that he is not inherently superpowered. Something happens to him to elevate him to superhero status. So he's an elevated human being. Um, in a in a theological standpoint, there was an ancient, ancient heresy that uh, saw Jesus in the same light, that saw Jesus as, well, he was a human being who had a normal human life, and then one day God infused him with the Holy Spirit, and then he became the Christ, ah. the Messiah. And uh, the early church fathers were all really nervous about that because then they said, well, then that means that there's some aspects of the human experience that weren't caught up in the saving action of God. You know, the the initial years were somehow separate from uh, the saving power of God, and that that doesn't accord with what we believe about Jesus in faith. Um, so anyway, so Spider-Man kind of has this adoptionist kind of uh, understanding to him. He's a he's a bio-enhanced human being. He kind of receives that power through the radioactive spider. Um, now, as a result of that, you know, he's he's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He's he's a Spider-Man of the people. And you know, he <laughs> he's the and I I think he's the most relatable superhero of all of all that we have in the popular consciousness because mm-hmm. all of his problems are so ordinary. His problems deal with his relationships with uh, the people in his life, with Mary Jane, with Harry, with Dr. Connors, with these people that he loves and cares for, that he comes into conflict with through tragedy, through uh, his own weakness, through his own misfortunes. Uh, you know, his 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 own motivation to be a superhero is to rise above the mistakes he made that led to Uncle Ben's death. I mean, he he has this attitude of atonement at the very root of him that makes him very re- relatable. He's he's a wounded figure, and he tries to live out of that awareness of his vulnerability to make the world a better place. Uh, and so he pre- presents this inspiring figure to his you know, to his neighborhood, to his city. You know, Spider Man is a hero of New York City. It, it's one of the the problems I kind of have with Tom Holland Spider Man. Like, well. Well, Spider-Man doesn't he doesn't really go into space and Spider-Man he doesn't really go to Venice that, that's not really Spider-Man I don't know um you know I, I think the the scene that sums up you know Spider-Man as an analogy for Christ is the the, the subway train scene mm-hmm. in oh, the second, second movie one. Yes. I mean, yes. I mean, I mean, the obvious Christ analogy is obvious as he's being crucified on the front of the train and his and bodies being carried back by the people of New York. But mm. we see in there how he operates as a savior. Yes, he, he physically saves those people in the train, but he also inspires them to heroism. You know, they all stand up to Doc Ock, even though they have no spider powers. They have no hope of being able to take him in a one on one fight. But that's that's. Mm. Not the point. The, the point is the heroism of Spider-Man inspires the ordinary citizens of New York to rise above their own meanness and smallness and to be something greater, to be something better. Uh, and, that, and that's typical of an adoptionist theology that uh, you know, if we look to Jesus as someone who was empowered by the Spirit, he becomes this inspiring figure um, that uh, motivates me to be better. Now, that, that's good, but you know, as a Catholic priest, I would say mm, it doesn't quite go far enough. You know, there's an actual participation 
in my own uh, striving to be better, there's there's something alive in me that comes from Christ himself that empowers me to do better. It's not just a matter of inspiration and pulling myself up by my bootstraps, but there is an actual share in the divine life that that I am given through baptism, through participation in the life of faith, uh, through yeah. through properly worded prayers. It's a little foretaste of what's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and uh, so the inspi- inspiration of Spider-Man is good as far as it goes, but it's not quite enough to you know, carry me through the ordinariness of life. Yes, in the, the climactic moment on the subway car when you're staring down Doc Ock, okay, great to have the inspiration of Spider-Man, but what happens when you have the problems with Mary Jane? What happens when you have the uh, conflict over how to you know, deal with your own feelings of guilt and revenge? Then you need something alive in you that that transcends those moments that pulls you and draws you upward. And that's where, as a, as a Catholic, I, I believe in the life of Christ present within me that Im- that enables me to uh, be the man that I've been made to be by God. Mm-hmm. It's like your own superpower. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and the, yeah. the, the thing is, in the Catholic understanding, um, grace, you know, the, the share in the divine life, isn't a superpower. It, it's, it's actually something that makes me more human. Because uh, the, the problem is not that, oh, I'm human, but I need to be superhuman. The problem is is that through sin, I become less human. Through guilt, through revenge, through anger, through all the things that the symbiote draws out of Peter, I become less of who I am. You know, and that, that came up in the, in the previous scene. Yeah. So it, it evokes the question, who are you? you know, this is not who you are because you're less than who you're supposed to be. The coming of Christ reveals God to humanity, but it also reveals humanity to itself. Christ comes to show us who we are supposed to be as human beings, and that's why God gives us grace. Not that we become superhuman, but that we become authentically human, Hmm. and that we put aside the kinds of things that the symbiote draws out and and live a life where we're not attached to sin in that way. We don't have something sucking our life and feeding off of us, but we we live freely and, and authentically. Hmm. That's a beautiful lens to to view all of this through. It again makes me feel if it was done tastefully <laughs> that that there was um there was more to be uh explored here with if we were going to have a climatic moment with this creature that deals with uh, a, a a church steeple and Catholicism mm-hmm. to have have leaned further in that direction earlier on. Yeah. And I mean it's in the structure it's, of this. it's definitely, you know, in the in the uh when you look at like sort of all of the superheroes I guess around, I think probably like the most religious religiously defined superhero would probably be Daredevil. Um yeah. that's where a lot of this stuff comes in. Like there's a lot of theological talk in Daredevil comics and and Daredevil mm. adaptations and things like that. Um it's not done a lot in Spider-Man, but also, you know, I I think that if you're gonna go for it, like I don't know, go for it. Like have yeah. have have something <laughs> have something to say. Like you know, don't just uh, steal the iconography and then don't have any you know grander discussions about it. Um, right, because because yeah. uh, we had um, we had Nightcrawler in X Men Two. Oh yeah, before yeah. this to, yeah. to demonstrate. Okay, look here here is someone who is grappling with his own situation in this universe through religious language and. Right. 
Nightcrawler, I, you know, my, my unbiased Catholic opinion, I think Nightcrawler <laughs> is the best part of X-Men too. I, I, he's the most interesting character mm-hmm. and provides that religious you know, lens to everything. Now, there are certain aspects that I don't agree with, like the whole ritual <laughs> scarring thing. Now, come on, Nightcrawler, let's have a talk about this. Like, We've got to be reasonable here. God gave us our bodies. But um, <laughs> I think that that's, that's a space that unfortunately... You know, the, the modern Marvel movies have nothing to say about religion. Mm-hmm. There are there are very there's very little about the spiritual lives mm-hmm. of these characters. I mean, the thing that is they have really, really like the plague, you know, really. But yeah, yeah, well, the thing that you know, like what was most upsetting to me about Endgame was the fact that um, Natasha Romanoff gets no funeral. Right. She gets her friends yeah. being sad at the end of the dock. O- right. Okay, that's that's fine, but there's no kind of communal action to grieve and to commend her to something that transcends this life. Right. Yeah, um, right. Tony Stark does. He he gets some kind of weird, you know, Lakeside Viking funeral ritual. with his mechanical yeah. heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that, that was like, well, what about what, what, what Black Widow? Come on, you guys, yeah. let's have a funeral. <laughs> let's, like, we got to come together around something. So, right. Haram yeah. is what yeah. I said. Yeah, the only time in, I think, all of the MCU uh, that I can think of that they've ever really talk, talked about any sort of religious beliefs of any of the characters at all is in the Avengers, the first one. Oh, with when, Cap? When Cap says, yeah. there's only one God, ma'am, and he doesn't dress like that. <laughs> which, which is my favorite line from the Avengers, uh, among <laughs> yeah. many choice ones to pick from. Yeah. And cemented my my love for the Captain America uh, character as depicted in the movie. It's like, yeah, it's Captain America. Yes. <laughs> my yeah. man. But yeah, it does seem to highlight even more so how how odd it is that very little spirituality is touched on in that entire franchise. Given that like there are characters in the movie who are like uh, Nordic demigods, like <laughs> like literally. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah, a bit weird, but anyway, uh, thanks for sharing again. Yes, that was fabulous. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Pleasure. Well, uh, plenty, plenty more uh, conversation to be had. Tomorrow's the big one. Uh, oh boy! So, so strap in, everybody. Uh, but if you uh, if you happen to be in the market for your uh, t-shirts or uh, coffee mugs or sweatshirts or any of that stuff, uh, why don't you check out uh, what we have at duelinggenre.com/slash/merch? Uh, you can uh, buy anything that we have in our T Public store, and uh, or anywhere in T Public through our link, and we'll get a little a little cut. And it uh, it helps us pay the bills, helps us keep the lights on, and uh, we appreciate those who do it. And then, uh, of course, we'll be back tomorrow to talk about minute one hundred and three. Bye, everybody. Bye. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>